Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. We really are grateful for you being here today and, and just taking time to be together uh, with one another. And so this is one of those moments as we start a new year that we are kind of pivoting, if you will. I know that this happens in your life. Once we get through the holidays, you have to pivot a little bit and uh, change your mindset just a, just, a, just a tad. I was in a store recently and they had a specialty section where they were selling reindeer meat. And I thought, really, Nothing says that Christmas is over <laughs> like a sale on reindeer meat. You know, it's been a tough year for Santa when he's <laughs> got to cash in on the reindeer. <laughs> so it's no longer like Dasher and Donner. It's just dinner, right? <laughs> I worked on that one for a while, you guys. Could you give it up for that? That was really... Thank you. And we're done for the day. Thanks, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um... Really, nothing says that Christmas is over like, you know, reindeer meat on sale. And so we're, we're basically having to do the same thing. The holidays are over and, and behind us, and the new year now is underway. And we have started a series that we are basically, we're, we're focusing on who God has called us to be. We're calling it This Is Us. We talk all the time, and this is great, we do talk all the time about what our goal is, what we do as a church. And that is that we invite you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And those, that four-step journey is the same for all of us. And it's not like we ever arrive, but it's basically this thing that we can look at and, and say, you know what, Am I, have, I, have I come to know God in the way that the Bible says that I ought to know him, to have my sins forgiven through Jesus Christ? If so, am I really walking out the freedom that God has has made available, available to me as a Christ follower? Well, yeah, if so, am I really, do I really understand how God has uniquely designed me to, to, uh, to have purpose and to have a calling upon my life? If so, am I making a difference with that? All, that journey is the same for all of us. That's what we do as a church. But we're talking a little bit more uh, fundamentally about who we are as a church. There's some principles that define this, and we're kind of talking about them each week. And so last week we talked about this. We said Jesus is our message. Really plainly, Jesus is our message. Then this week, today, we're going to talk about people are our heart. Next week, hope is our foundation. The week after that, honor is our way. Then we're going to take a break because we've got Pastor Brian Dwyer who's in here from Utah. For those of you guys who uh, were, were uh, kind of anticipating this and I think it was December we had him scheduled to come in and he had to reschedule with us because something came up at his church out in Utah. And so he's back with us at the end of at the very first weekend of February. And then we're going to wrap up the series right after that with this last one. Generosity is our privilege. These are specific things that we want to call out about who we are because they they say more than just what we do. They kind of say, well, here's the lane that we're going to move in as we're moving forward, trying to, trying to lead people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So I have a text today that I want to read to you, a story from the scriptures that uh, I'm going to use kind of as a jumping point into what we are talking about today. And really, it's never that I, I see it that way. I really want to just focus in on the text, but it, it's going to help reflect back on this principle that we're talking about, that people are 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 our heart. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 39 to 45 says this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. And then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law from, of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon gathered around Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. That's our text for today. Let's pray one more time and ask God to bless us. Lord, thank you, uh, Lord, for the blessing that you would put upon not just the hearing, uh, not just the reading, but the hearing of your word. And we pray, God, that you would help us at this moment to uh, have insight by the Holy Spirit into what you would say to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, right here in the first chapter of Mark's biography of Jesus, we, some, we see something about Jesus that we can see basically throughout all of the stories that we see about Jesus. It was very intentional on his part, the way that he acted and the things that he did. And, and his behavior, just like the, in this story toward the leper and in so many other stories, his behavior was not just meant to be a good deed in and of itself. His actions were a sign that were meant to point us to his mission and to God's purposes on earth through him. So that this was more than just, um, I want you to see this isn't, this is just more than an instance of him being compassionate or kind or even powerful enough to heal somebody. This was, like all the other stories about him, meant to point us to some reality about what God was doing through him at that moment and what you and I can actually count on God doing in our lives too. And so, I have a few points today just from this text that I want to kind of say very broadly, very plainly, uh, are, are worth looking at, and then I'm going to kind of just give us hopefully a few thoughts about it. Number one, Jesus welcomed the sinner and the sick. The mindset always that Jesus battled with in his day was, if this person is sick, it's probably because of something that they did wrong. I mean, there are plenty of moments where Jesus' own disciples, the people closest to him, are asking him, is this person sick because of their sin or because of their parents' sin? That's what they, that's what they would ask. And Jesus would say, neither. Their mindset was this. They must have done something to deserve this, right? And I think that we aren't very different today in that regard. We connect performance to success to, to success and to health. Uh, if, if you aren't doing well, then we say, well, let's talk about how you must have messed up, right? And this is a slippery slope for us because, because it's very easy then to begin to pin blame on people who, aren't, who are experiencing some kind of wrong, some kind of ill in their life, something wrong. And, and you know what? If you've ever been the victim of that, you know how painful that can be. Oh, you must be less than, you must, there must be something wrong. You did something wrong to deserve this. Now, we don't off, often like actually go so far as to say that, but we feel that. And the reason I know that we feel that is because when we're doing right things, we expect to have blessing in our lives, right? When we're doing the right thing, we say, well, then things ought to go well for me because that's how it is, right? That's just the way we are. And we, we treat one another and we treat ourselves that way. But Jesus did not operate like that. He seemed unconcerned 
with diagnosing the root cause of this whole thing and more concerned with delivering people from their sin and from their sickness. He really seemed interested in actually getting that person healed, free, delivered, whatever it was. It wasn't just so much, hey, let's use them as an object lesson about what not to do. So when we say people are our heart, we're reminding ourselves that Jesus welcomed everybody who was messed up, mixed up, sinful, and sick. He didn't require that they would, you know, for them to get it together before he, uh, he invited them to come to him. It was just the opposite. As a matter of fact, it was, it was, if you're messed up, if you're mixed up, you can come to me. Here's what he says in the next chapter, Mark. He says, the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, and they asked his disciples, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We, we, we say this, that we'll choose messy over easy all the time when it comes to loving people. That's our goal. And this is hard to say because when you start loving people, you, things will always get messy. You will experience what it is. It's, it's nice to say it. I should say it's easy to say. It's hard to actually do. It's nice to say we'll choose messy over easy. But, but this is the bottom line. It would be much easier for us to say only good and perfect people are welcome among us. It's so much easier to kind of set the bar there and say, and you know what? There are plenty of places where that's the experience. There are plenty of times you and I have maybe even been made to feel that way in some settings. But we're saying here, when we talk about people are our heart, just like they were Jesus' heart, we're saying that we will choose messy over easy when it comes to loving people. Michelle already mentioned it. We, we said this since day one. No one is perfect, so everyone is welcome. And we mean that. I wanna, we want to live that out as the, to the best of our ability here. Now, leprosy was a, a devastating category of diseases. When, you know, what, med what medical professionals today would know as Hansen's disease was just probably one of many different potential causes of the symptoms that were called leprosy in the Bible. Any skin ailment, any skin disease that was, you know, potentially called leprosy. Now, the leper was, until, was not allowed to come within six feet of any other human being, including his own family, okay? And he, uh, he would have had to live outside the village until he either got better or died of his disease. This was the only way that, at that time, people knew that they could contain the spread of contagious forms of leprosy like this. And th this, is the kind of, this is the thing that's really important. If the wind was blowing, which I can't imagine a day when the wind is not really blowing, that leper would, would have been required to stay within 150 feet of any other living person. 150 feet. Or the threat was that they would be stoned to death. Because basically they were putting everybody at risk by coming near them. And so think about this, how amazing it is on this day, in this story, that this leper came close to Jesus. That took a lot of guts. What amazing faith that required, actually. Not just faith in Jesus' power to heal, but in Jesus' compassion toward him. I mean, not only did he have to believe that Jesus could, he had to believe that Jesus would. I would say this today, if you will trust Jesus, he doesn't disappoint. We have an amazing welcome team here who, who I think our goal when we talk about it is to do everything that we can to make people feel like when they come here that they're home. 
I, we want you to feel that. I mean, even if you're visiting and not planning on coming back, we, we want you to be here and feel like you were a part of the family today. That's part of why Michelle was saying that earlier. We want you to feel it there at home. Now, and this is the thing. If you're, if you're new with us today, I hope that you felt that. Because that's very intentional. And it's not like contrived. It's, not, it's that we believe that, that Jesus welcomed us in this way. And so we really feel like we need to welcome others in this way. We, we got, I, I was thinking of it today at, our welcome team, for every newcomer, we, we always say, we say, you can, you know, join us at the Connect Corner and let us know you are here. We have a, a special gift for you. We do. We have mugs. So I was thinking, mugs and hugs. That's what we're offering all the time here. Mugs and hugs, okay? So come, you know, everybody loves a good mug. And I mean, some people, a lot of people appreciate hugs. Some people aren't. They're like, no, don't touch me, please. Um, it's really important that you know this. Jesus welcomed the sinner and the sick. Number two. Jesus was moved by the needs around him. We aren't even told the name of this man. We only know his condition. He was a leper. How many of you know what it feels like to be defined by your condition, by your past, by your failure, by your weakness, whatever it is? We're not given his name. We're not told anything else about him. He is defined purely by his condition. We only know his issue. Lots of people know how that feels. Somebody talked to you this way. Somebody treated you this way. Something that somebody did to you, you feel like maybe even defines you as a person. I'm no longer this, this, uh, this per That's why it's so important when we start our service out and we started singing about that. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Who you say I am is what matters. Because so many of us are laboring under the weight of this, of what has defined us for our life. The words that somebody spoke over you, that thing that happened to you. Let me tell you, if it happened to you, it does, it's what happened to you. It doesn't mean it's who you are but it's really important for us to to see that it's so possible for us to define ourselves in this way we've we, we've we've experienced it growing up growing up can be difficult there's almost nothing so terrifying as a group of eighth graders because you, you can get ridiculed at any time in your life but eighth grade is really tough because it's like the perfect convergence of not just ridicule but they're they're really insightful in their ridicule by this time they're like very accurate sometimes they're like you know like talking like hey look at that man with a disproportionate nose and really feminine hips and you're like wait a second that's re really cutting right now it's kind of accurate <laughs> i i think this, this man is, is simply called leper to us. And without a name, we're left to only know him by his condition. I think names are really important. And I've said this, uh, I, I think about it as we've had children and we've named our children. There's that moment where you're like, oh shoot, I gotta name this child. And I feel like naming is almost, naming is almost like hoping. Like, I hope they're going to be this way. That's why there's no, that's why there's so many kids, I really believe this. That's why there's so many kids today named Jordan. You know, because it's like, every parent is like, man, I just hope, just hope they're as great as Jordan, right? And, and you know, that's why there's no children today. There's nobody like, like Hitler, Joseph, something, whatever, because, because people are like, don't do that. <laughs> that's not a good name. That's not what we're hoping for at all, right? I love this. When, when Moses meets God in the burning bush, he says, I need you to tell me what your name is. I want to know who it is that I'm speaking to you and that I'm speaking to. And God says, here's, here's, what I want you to, here's what I want you to know about who I am. He says, my name is I am. And it's almost like Moses is like waiting. I am 
what? <laughs> and God says, I am that I am. And in some ways, I feel like God is saying, here's my name. Here's what you can understand about me, Moses. I am whatever you need me to be in whatever season that you're in. Whenever you need me to be provider, I'm going to be that. You need me to be the way maker, I'm going to be that. You need me to be the promise keeper, I'm going to be that. I am whatever you need. This is my name, Moses. I will be for you whatever you need me to be when you need it. Praise the Lord. Nobody else can be that for you today and for me. Whatever your issue is today, this is what I think you should know. There's a name that is greater than the name of your issue. Think about this. this man, that's, that's one way to look at it. It didn't matter what his name was. It didn't even matter what the name of his issue was because he's, he's coming to the name that is above every name. He's coming there before Jesus who has the name for which every other name will bow, right? It says this, that every, every, whatever your, the name of your issue is today, it's got to take a knee in the presence of Jesus. Think about that. Whatever way that you've been defined, whatever words have been spoken over you, whatever the name that has defined you to this point, it gets to take a knee in the presence of Jesus because there is no greater name than that. We know that he wanted to get near to Jesus even though he was supposed to keep a distance. So we don't know his name, but we know something about him. When leprosy would reach its advanced stages, the victim would experience numbness in their extremities. Fingers and noses and ears were the first things to lose feeling, which is very dangerous, because if a person is wounded or they would take a cut in any of these places, um, they wouldn't feel it. And so sometimes death would come just from an infection to one of those, or from a sore from that one of those cuts. And so that, that sense of losing feeling is actually a really interesting contrast to Jesus because here the man who, who, is, who is losing feeling is coming before Jesus and saying, if you can, if you will. And Jesus, the Bible says, is moved. Some translations say that he had compassion. Other translations say that he was indignant which is an interesting combination. It's because the word there is very difficult to translate because it means both of those things. One translation is actually angry. It's actually the same feeling that Jesus had when he was standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus. I've talked about it before. It's the same word that's used there. He was moved, and at the same time, he was angry. It actually means that he was provoked. He almost, it's, it has this image of snorting like a bull. <laughs> Like the man comes before him and Jesus sees his condition and he is literally from the center, from, the, from his gut, he's moved with compassion and anger and indignant. He's saying, I, I, this is not supposed to be the way it is for the children that I love. He's, uh, we might say today that he was triggered. <laughs> Contrast that with the religious people around Jesus. They had gone so numb that they were more worried about what day of the week it was that Jesus was healing than that he was healing at all. They were more concerned about how Jesus' ministry affected their status and their influence among the people than whether or not it was from God. So here they are numb, and here Jesus is feeling deeply. Here this man is coming to Jesus, and Jesus himself is moved. Jesus said to those Pharisees, those religious people, he said, woe to you, blind guides. You whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers, you hypocrites. These are all things that Jesus said. I mean, he was just getting, it was like that. He was very accurate. <laughs> he said this, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, and nor will you let 
anyone enter who's trying to. That's what Jesus said to them. He says, you guys have lost all feeling. But I think, that, isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus is moved at this moment? That's why the writer of Hebrews is rejoicing when, when, uh, when, when he talks about Jesus as our high priest. So Israel had had a high priest, and the Hebrews were saying, now we have a new high priest, and he's Jesus. And this is what Hebrews says in, in chapter 4, verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he's without sin. So when we come to him with our weakness and in our failure, in our sickness and in our sin, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we have a, a mediator between us and God who is empathetic, who's sympathetic toward us, who, is, who, is, who cares about our weaknesses and who knows that we're dust. So isn't it wonderful? He's rejoicing. We don't have a high priest who's unfeeling. We have a high priest who has compassion upon us. We don't serve a scarless God. Whatever you've been through and whatever you're going through today, he has compassion toward you, and he's moved to action. He's the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find one lost sheep. I mean, 99% success in most fields is pretty decent, right? Jesus says, that's not how I am. One lost person, I'll, leave, I'll, I'll, I'll set those 99 aside and I will go and find that lost person because he has compassion on us. That's our example and that's why we say that's our heart. We wanna be a place where the marginalized are prioritized. I want you to think about it for a second. I want that. That's, that's what I want for us. We want to be a place where the marginalized are prioritized. Can we do this perfectly? I don't know, but I, I hope so. It's certainly worth trying. And this year, I'm inviting you to be a part of this, to reach with your heart, to pray, and to carry this burden, to care for people within our walls and then also outside of our walls. In August... We've got a dream. We're, we want to bless our city. I want to, I want to, we want to do something in August to bless our city bigger and on a scale that I've, I've never been a part of. And so i just given you a heads up. You'll be hearing about that as the year goes on because we actually are wanting to do this. We literally are saying, Lord, help us to be moved by the needs around us, close to us, and then nearby in our own city, help us to be moved by it. So get ready. Number three, Jesus touched people at their place of need. Think of how hard that first step must have been for this man. I mean, crossing the barrier, it was a risk. He knew, he knew, though, if he didn't move, his issue would consume him. There was nothing certain about how Jesus would respond to this, but he was really fed up with his situation. I want you to see that, that, that this, is, this is actually one of those things that is worth it for us to, to reflect on for a second. It, it really, when it comes down to it, when we get fed up being the way that we are, it's usually the moment that we actually take a step toward Jesus. When we get fed up with the issue that's been defining us, it's usually the moment that we say, okay, God, I want to listen to what you have to say about me. That's what I see happening. There are a lot of people who are committed to this thing that we're doing uh, starting next weekend is when we launch Freedom Groups. Registration goes live, I think, today. Is this right? I've got all kinds of dates swimming around my head, but I'm 99% sure this is today. So after we leave, yes, actually I'm positive. After we leave service today, registration is live, and this is the thing. I love what I see because there are people who are like, I know, I know that there's a part of them that has waited for this. 
to say, I'm so sick of being, of, of, of enduring this, of, of kind of laboring under this mindset or dealing with this habit or whatever it is, and I'm ready to be free. Because when we get sick of being in this situation is the moment where, where we might actually take a risk and say, I'm going to step toward Jesus in this way. The man presented himself to Jesus. And I like that because he didn't just get in the crowd. He actually made his way all the way to Jesus. You can come all the way to church and still not get healed. He said this, if you want to, if you want to, I know you can. I like that. He told Jesus, if you want to do this for me, I know you can. And here's the thing. It's interesting that he said, if you want to, I know you can. Because I'll say this in the first week of Freedom Groups, the first part of that whole, uh, of, the, of that curriculum is, is based around maybe this big idea that it's easier, it's easier to believe that God is powerful, right, than that he's for me. It's easier to say, I know you can, and to believe that he can than to believe that he will. Because to believe that he can is just a matter of believing that he's powerful enough to do it. But to believe that he will means that I have to trust in his goodness and his compassion and his willingness to care for who I am. And that's so powerful that this man falls in front of Jesus and he says, I know you can, Jesus, but I'm still struggling with if you will. Jesus did something scandalous and pretty dangerous. He touched him. The Bible says. And he didn't really have to do this because there's so many instances where we see in the Bible that Jesus healed people without having to touch them. So it was very intentional. It was on purpose that the Bible says that he touched him because his need wasn't just for physical healing, though that, was, that, that had to be on the top of his list. But what had happened as a result of his sickness was he'd been cast out. He'd lived for months, years, who knows how long that he had actually lived without the touch of another human being, without being near somebody else, cast out from community and relationship and even just that physical touch. And Jesus sees the depths of his need. And not only does he heal him physically, but the Bible says that he touches him. And he says, you are no longer an outsider. Now, the law said that if anybody touched an unclean thing, that they too were unclean. But Jesus was the one who wrote the law. <laughs> People drive differently in different places. You know, when you're in Chicago, it's one thing, and then when you go, maybe to a quieter place in the country, they drive differently. Sometimes it's really frustrating. There are times where people, I don't know if they just don't know that they have to yield the right of way, but there are places that they just drive different. You know what I'm saying? They will just pull out in front of you. And, you know, my instinct is to be, this is the thing, you know, like if that happens, you know, my instinct is to, is, okay, I'm frustrated right now. I'm, I don't usually honk. As a matter of fact, I'm not even trying to, like, get angry at them. I, if it's really bad, if they, like, completely cut me off, pull out in front of me, don't yield the right of way to me, then I just do this thing where I kind of pull around them and I drive up next to them. I look at them like, I just needed to see who that is. And you give him that look of like, has that ever happened to you? It's like the worst. I'd rather them be mad at me than just pull up next to me and be like. Whatever your issue is, this is the thing. Whatever your issue is today, it has to yield to Jesus. 
It has to yield to Jesus. When we come to him, and this freedom group, this is all this is. You guys are like, what's freedom groups? I, I, it's basically, it's us just focusing on this, on this idea that whatever we're wrestling with, whatever we're dealing with, has already, it's already been determined. It has to yield to Jesus. Depression has to yield to the peace of Jesus. Sorrow has to yield to the joy of Jesus. Despair has to yield to the hope of Jesus. Hatred has to yield to the love of Jesus. Even death, the ultimate end for every one of us has to yield to the resurrection life of Jesus. It all has to yield. It all has to take a knee. Jesus touches the man at his point of need, not just his physical need, but the need for healing from broken relationships, broken community, and a broken self-image. And so when the story started, the leper was in a lonely place, but when it ended, Jesus had not only healed the issue, but Mark tells us that the man was welcomed back. And it's really interesting detail that Mark gives to us because he says Jesus touched the man and then warned. He said, hey, listen, go present yourself to the priest. This is what would be necessary for him to be welcomed back into the community. Bring the offering. Let the priest declare that you're clean and that you're healed, and then there, there won't be any barriers to you being able to be welcomed back in the community. So Jesus is really trying to get this guy to, you know, tie up all the loose ends. And the Bible says that after he's healed, the man goes and tells everybody. And Jesus now is the one who has to live in the secluded places. And that right there is the gospel in a nutshell. That when we were outside... The Bible says that Jesus brought us in, but because in order to do that, the Bible says that he himself was cast out. You know, this is what it said, that he carried his cross outside the city. That was intentional on the part of the Romans when they wanted to crucify someone. They wanted to let them know, this doesn't happen next to your community. This, ha this happens outside. You're cursed. You're going to be outside. And this is exactly what the Bible says happened to Jesus, that because he loved you and me in the way that he did, because he touched us and healed us in the way that he did, it was he himself who took upon our sin, our shame, who bore it up and who carried it. It was he himself who was cast out so that we could be brought in. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might be made righteous. Do you know today that it was Jesus who took your place on that cross? That it was Jesus who suffered for you and for me so that we could be free. And all that is required is that we step toward him to actually receive that gift. Think of that, 150 feet. I actually, let me just do this. I'm, this, I'm not prone to this stuff, but let me just do this, okay? Because I just figured that it was probably somewhere. I'm not really into this thing, but just watch me here. This is maybe 150 feet, not even 150 feet. I could probably make it out here a little bit. Hey, Dan. <laughs> and think, he knows that it's Jesus who's the one who can heal him. And so 150 feet, he has to make a decision to take a step. And he goes, think of, think of his heart rate going as he takes 140 feet, right? 
And then as he's walking closer, who knows who saw him at this moment? Who knows how many people were watching him and who were alarmed by the fact that this leper, he, was, he should have, at, at 130 feet, at 120 feet, he should have been crying out, unclean, unclean, so that the crowds could, could scatter. But Jesus didn't run. Jesus didn't move. Here he is at 100 feet and 90 feet and 80 feet, and he's getting closer and closer to Jesus. And I imagine that his heart rate is racing because he doesn't know how this is going to go. And he's 30 feet, and he's 20 feet now, and he's getting closer closer to Jesus and it all started with a first step from out there and then he gets to the final step where he falls before him and he says Jesus if you are willing I know that you can how many of you here today would be willing to take a step to take the risk to say I really know if you are willing that you can I can be forgiven I can be set free because of what Jesus has done for me. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment. And I'm just gonna have, have just one simple moment to ask anybody in the house who needs to take a step toward Jesus to be forgiven, to be healed. I, I just wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Really plainly today, it's not about whether we're in the crowd. It's about whether we've gotten to Jesus. It's not about whether we, you know, how good we are or whether how faithful our church attendance is. It really is. The, Jesus actually said it like this. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. It's really not just about what we do. It's about receiving from him that forgiveness that only he can give.